Chapter Seventeen of Bunyip Land. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Katie Gibbony. Bunyip Land by George Manville Fenn. Chapter Seventeen: How the Doctor Gave Jimmy His Physics. I could not move for a few moments. The terrible cry and the shrieks that followed seemed to rob me of all power. But overcoming this paralyzing feeling at last, I ran toward where poor Jimmy lay, the thought flashing upon my mind that the doctor must be performing some operation to try and save the poor fellow's life. I was quite right. As I found when I reached the spot, followed by all the little camp, the doctor was performing an operation, and the Australian was upon his knees now, his feet then, capering about and appealing for mercy. For the instrument with which the doctor was performing his operation was the stout cane I had previously seen in his hand, one that he had cut in the jungle, and then sent me away so as to spare my feelings and keep me from witnessing the painful sight. To my utter astonishment, Jimmy was apparently free from all traces of his late ailment and catching sight of me, he bounded to me, getting behind me to avoid the hail of blows that the doctor was showering upon his unprotected person. "'Doctor!' I shouted. "'The dose to be repeated,' he said, when necessary, and he reached round me with the cane, giving Jimmy two or three very sharp cuts. "'See how this takes down the swelling, for outward application only, one dose nearly certain to cure. "'What are you doing?' I cried. "'Doing?' performing a wonderful cure. Hasn't Jimmy here been horribly ill and alarmed the whole camp? Every time he could, he gave Jimmy a smart cut, and the black shrieked with pain. "'How are you now, my man?' he said mockingly. "'Jimmy quite well, ever so better. All rightums. Thank you better.' And he sheltered himself again behind my back. "'Doctor,' I said, surprised and angry at what seemed horrible cruelty. "'Give him some more,' he said, laughing. "'Of course I will.' and he tried to reach round me, but I caught hold of the cane, and Jimmy took advantage of the cessation of hostilities for a moment to run for some distance and then climb up a tree, in one of the higher branches of which he settled himself like a monkey, and sat rubbing himself and looking down at the danger from which he had escaped. "'There, Joe,' said the doctor, laughing, "'it has made me hot. That's as good a cure as the Queen's physician could have made.' "'How could you be so brutal to the poor wretch?' I said indignantly. "'Brutal! Ha, ha, ha! My indignant young hero!' he cried. "'Here you go to take up the cudgels in the rascal's behalf. "'Don't you see there was nothing the matter with the artful black ruffian?' "'Nothing the matter,' I said. "'Why, wasn't he dangerously ill?' "'Dangerously full,' said the doctor, clapping me on the shoulder. "'I was obliged to give him a lesson, Joe, and it will do him good for all our trip. "'I suspected the rascal from the very first but I have studied medicine long enough to know how easy it is to be deceived by appearances. So I gave Master Jimmy the benefit of the doubt, and treated him as if he was really very ill, till I had made assurance doubly sure, and then I thrashed him. What? Do you really mean, doctor? I began. It could not very well have happened with an Englishman, Joe. With Master Jimmy there, it was different. But was he not very ill? You saw him run and climb that tree. You heard how he yelled. Now what do you think? "'Could a dying man do that?' "'No,' I faltered. "'What does it all mean, then?' "'Pig,' said the doctor, smiling. "'The gluttonous dog ate till he could not stir. 
He had as much as anybody else, and then waited his chance, and when everyone was lying down, he began upon the store of dried strips. "'Jimmy terrible sorry, Mass Joe,' came from up the tree. He behaved like a boa constrictor, and then alarmed us all horribly instead of confessing the truth. Why, my dear boy, do you suppose I should have been so cruel to a sick man? You black rascal, I cried, looking up at Jimmy, who howled like a dog. Jimmy, come down now. Never do so no more. Only let me have a turn at you, I said, and he immediately began to climb higher. Here, you come down, sir, I shouted. For answer he climbed higher and higher, till he was pretty well out of sight among the small branches in the top of the tree. All right, I said, I can wait and I walked away with the doctor, horribly annoyed at the waste of time, but wonderfully relieved at matters being no worse. I never knew, but I suspect that Jimmy stopped in the top of the tree till it was dark, and then slunk down and hid himself amongst the bushes close up to the watch-fire. At all events he was busy the next morning working away as if nothing had been wrong overnight. He showed himself to be most active in putting things straight, making up the loads, and every now and then glancing furtively, first at one of us and then at the other. "'Oh, I do like Jimmy, that I do,' said Jack Penny to me, and then he threw himself down and began to laugh heartily, shutting his eyes and rolling himself gently to and fro, till he declared that he felt better, and got up. "'I don't care about laughing when I'm standing up,' he said seriously. "'It waggles my back so.' When breakfast time came, for we had a seven or eight mile walk first in the cool of the early morning, we made a halt, and the rations were served out by the doctor, who gave me a look and handed each black his portion in turn, but omitted Jimmy. The latter stood disconsolately, looking on for some minutes in the hope that he was to be remembered after all, but when he saw everybody busy at work, eating, and himself utterly neglected, he walked slowly away some distance from where we were seated, and, laying his head against the trunk of a tree, let out a series of the most unearthly howls. "'Oh, I say!' exclaimed Jack Penny. "'Pleasant,' said the doctor, going on with his breakfast, and seeing that he was observed, and that his howls were having some effect, Jimmy displayed the utter childlike disposition of a savage by redoubling his cries. "'If he don't stop directly, I shall go and talk to him with this,' I said, snatching up a stick." "'How! Ah! Ooh!' cried Jimmy, and I jumped to my feet when he became silent, and I resumed my place. Jimmy watched us eagerly for a few minutes, when, left half-starved himself, and unable to bear the neglect when others were enjoying themselves, the howls burst out again, followed by a self-commiserating, "'Poor Jimmy! Mass Joe not care, poor Jimmy, never now!' No one took any notice, and we went on eating grilled turkey and damper, and drinking coffee, and all the time I was rather enjoying my importance, and the fact of being able to control, boy as I was, a stout, powerful fellow like Jimmy, and make him as obedient as a dog. Poor old Jimmy cut handums. Ever so sorry, poor Jimmy. Go and die himself. Ha! Ow! I say, said Jack Penny, he couldn't die himself any blacker, could he, Joe Carstairs? Have some more coffee, Joe, said the doctor, aloud. Here, give me a piece more turkey. Poor Jimmy go starve a death, was the next that met our ears, and it had such an effect upon Jack Penny that some of his coffee got into his windpipe and he choked and coughed and laughed till he was obliged to lie down. If I was to cough much like that I should break my back, he said, sitting up and wiping his eyes. Poor old Jimmy, I do like him, he is a one. 
Jimmy stood watching the disappearing food. Then he sat down. Then he lay at full length, but no one took the slightest notice, for the blacks were selfishly busy, and we were keeping up the punishment for the false alarm to which our follower had subjected us. At last this attack upon Jimmy's tenderest part, his appetite, grew to be more than he could bear, and he sat up in the squatting attitude so much affected by savages. "'Ah!' he claimed dolefully. "'Poor black fellow! Poor Jimmy!' And this started Jack Penny off laughing once more, which so exasperated Jimmy that he sprang up as sharply as if stung, and ran in a rage to where his black companions were eating their food. "'Here! Hi! You black fellow! Jimmy done with him! Jimmy gib boomerang! You know fro down wallaby!' He held out his curious hardwood weapon to tie high, who took it, gazing at him wonderingly, while Jimmy glanced at us to see if we were about to relent and give him some breakfast. "'Jimmy going,' he said at last, long enough for us to hear, but we paid no heed. "'Jimmy going, never come back no more,' he said in a louder voice, but no one turned ahead. "'Jimmy go jump river. Big bunyip crocodile come eat poor Jimmy. All am very sorry.' No see poor Jimmy not nev more. He glanced at us again, but we were laughing over our breakfast, though not so busy but that we were able to see the black fold his arms and stalk away, evidently under the impression that we should start up and arrest him, but no one moved. Big water bunyip glad get black fellow, he said, as loudly as he could, and with a scornful look at us. Here, suppose we go, said the doctor, rising. Go, said Jack, getting up slowly. Where to? to see Jimmy feed the crocodiles. Come along, lads. Jimmy stopped short with his jaw dropped, and nearly beside himself with rage. He seemed to be completely staggered at our cool way of taking things, and at last he ran off like the wind, rushed back again with his eyes flashing, and slapping his legs as he darted upon tie high, waddy in hand. Give boomerang, Jimmy! Black teeth fellow, he roared. Take a boomerang! Jimmy boomerang! Teeth fellow toll a boomerang! Snatching it from Ty his hand, he made believe to strike him with the curious weapon, and then rushed off with it into the bush. "'Well, Joe,' said the doctor, "'do you think the crocodiles will dine on Blackbird?' I shook my head. "'What do you say, Jack Penny, eh?' "'Jimmy won't jump in, I know,' drawled Jack. "'You're right,' said the doctor. "'He'll come back before long hungry as a hunter, and regularly tamed down, or I'm no judge of character.' Yes, I said, and he'll bring back something he has killed so as to try and make friends. That's how he always did at home. Well, said Jack Penny solemnly, I hope he will. I like Jimmy. He makes me laugh, and though it hurts my back, I like laughing. It does me good. I never used to have anything to laugh at at home. Father used to laugh when he kicked me, but it never seemed funny to me, and I never used to laugh at that. Well, Jack Penny, I dare say the black will give you something to laugh at before long, for I don't suppose it will be long before he is back. End of chapter 17